This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. T.O. Grey Hospital. Welcome to another episode of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Amy Nelson, and joined with me today are Lee Hutchison and Richard Marquez. Lee, how's it going over there? Yeah, not too bad. I'm really looking forward to this episode. It's my my last before a wee little two-week break. I'm going to be spending the next two Sundays doing marathons, so this is going to be my uh, last hurrah for for a couple weeks as my my body and brain will be too dead to uh, watch Star Trek and even move even towards a microphone. So I'm going to die in peace instead. Well, we hope that you come home with a first place trophy and nothing uh, gets in the way of that. So. Maybe first, maybe first place, uh, first prize for trying. That, that's probably it. <laughs> and Richard, how are you doing today? I'm lucky to be alive, but I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Hope a parallel universe doesn't leave you stranded by hitting a bear. (laughs) Yeah, that was definitely a scary moment. FYI, I almost got eaten by a bear on my hike today, so... Well, today we are very excited to talk about Parallels, uh, a seventh season episode. And Lee, you want to give us a synopsis of that? Yeah, um, Worf is returning from a Batleth competition and think, and as always, finds things aren't quite as he, as he expected, as he seems to be encountering a reality that isn't quite in tune with what everyone else is. He thinks he's won first prize, someone thinks he's come in ninth place. Someone thinks he's his wife. Maybe not. Some realities just aren't kind of matching up. In some position, uh, some universes, he's a commander, and in some, he's just our typical wharf. So Mr. Wharf tries to get to the bottom of it, and shock horror, it's to do with a spatial anomaly. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it must be a Brandon Braga episode. It <laughs> must be, yes. So, um, very excited to talk about Parallels. It's one of my favorites. It's always a go-to for me. So, um, let's just quickly go through what are some scenes um, that you enjoy in this episode, Richard? Uh, I I like that. Uh, there are a couple of scenes. I like the uniforms. Uh, a lot of the uh, uniforms. I mean, obviously, uh, we saw the yesterday Enterprise uniform. Um, even the set uh, of the yesterday's Enterprise was there, and um, yeah, for the most part, it, I mean, it was, it's an enjoyable episode for, uh, for me. One thing I did, that did bother me about the episode is that for. And I know it's for the story and everything, but you would think a ninth place trophy would not exist considering that, you know, I I saw it as a participation uh, uh, trophy and I don't think the Klingon Empire would do something like that. But then again, like I said, it wouldn't work with the story and he wouldn't know the difference between the two. And I yeah, but otherwise, uh, (laughs) other than that, that was that was probably my only uh, pet peeve about that uh, about this episode. But it it's a it's a great story and I, I I enjoy it quite well. I'm glad we're going over it. So not everyone gets a participation trophy. Well, that's what they bother with me. You either yeah. die, get maimed, or you win the whole thing. 
<laughs> so. Right. Uh, what were some scenes, Lee, that you liked in this episode? Yeah, I think I particularly enjoyed the scene, kind of seeing all those enterprises come together and um, the kind of infinite universes and <laughs> combinations. And I, I always enjoy things like that in particular. Um, I always think you get, you get a kick from seeing things that are slightly what we're used to but with just that little twist here and there um, and seeing all those enterprises on the the big screen uh, on the the screen is always a treat um, I'm sure it won't be the first and last time that we'll see a lot of enterprises converging at an anomaly in season 7 yeah I have quite a few scenes that I just think are hilarious and just so fun and for their character development and stuff so when Worf is uh, asking Deanna to be Alexander's Sokchin and and so then Deanna's like, well, you know, that'll make Luoxana your stepmother. And Worf's face, Michael Dorn plays it perfectly and thinks it through and his facial expressions and just horror. But yet that's a risk I'm willing to take. That's such a fun scene between those two when he recognizes <laughs> we all love Luoxana. And another one that I thought was just so fun when uh, Deanna comes in in the uh, one of the alternate realities. Why is the door locked? Why shouldn't it be? And she just goes right in and sits in the bed and Worf peeks around the corner. That is priceless. I love that scene. <laughs> And let's see. Uh, yeah, so those are a couple scenes that I really like. Um, we go through, obviously, different realities. And um, so within that, we see, as Richard, you mentioned, the different uniforms and different bridge sets. And uh, one thing I noticed that the horseshoe was isn't wood anymore. It's painted red. Have we seen that before? I don't think that was in yesterday's Enterprise. No, it was more of a black color, as I recall, in yesterday's Enterprise. Yeah, and we get more of the metal pieces adding on each time. I sort of thought the last uh, time shift that he does, that huge, big, just metal see-through thing, I thought that was a little excessive. But, you know, you have to do something to change up the bridge but isn't that what isn't that how a lot of people saw the future that it was more metallic and uh and, and whatnot just to get that feel that there it's it's futuristic versus yeah. like wood you know that we know obviously saw i mean realistically it probably would be it probably would be metal <laughs> but then again you know it it looks good it looks good yeah and the uh, chairs, like the captain's chairs and where Riker's sitting and where usually Troy sits, those chairs slowly disappear as we <laughs> warp through, as we go through the different realities. I thought that was interesting. All of a sudden, at the very end, it's only the one captain chair left. Everyone has to stand around him. <laughs> and we see Wesley. So that's nice. We get to see Wesley here. And uh, the com, com badges, which I didn't know, are from uh, the episode Future Imperfect, the one with the bars underneath that. I like that. And I didn't know, but through the uh, shifting time parallels, that Data's eyes change color. I never noticed that until you, you highlighted in your notes that one had always passed me by. So whoever says you can't get more out of Star Trek on repeated viewings is clearly lying. So maybe I'll have to watch this episode for about the 50th time to yeah. finally notice it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, I, don't, I never noticed that. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah, because we've got Data with blue eyes, bright blue eyes instead of his yellow. So Which color do you prefer? Well, I prefer the yellow because it makes him more... You know, Android. <laughs> so, um, in watching, and we'll come back to this later, but um, watching the commentary with Brandon Braga says that this is the only time that we see a Cardassian in a Starfleet uniform in all of Star Trek. I know, I, I remember just catching him a corner of my eye, just, and I was looking thinking, I wonder if they re just reused the same Cardassian that we saw earlier in the episode on the, the view screen, but no, it's, it's, it's his entirely own one. Yeah, and um, so 
This episode has a lot of techno babble and math, which I'm very excited. <laughs> so, what did you think of the techno babble? At the back of the class, there, Richard, babe. What? 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 Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> did you like the techno babble in this, or did you feel it was just too much? I didn't really mind it. I think it was one of those. It's a means and an end in this kind of episode. Like, I don't mind the techno babble when, like, it's about something fun. Like, they're just giving you sort of some fun reason for, like, whatever happened. And, like, yeah, it's something to do with Geordie's visors transmitting some pulse. Like, I, I genuinely don't care. Like, the episode is enjoyable enough that the techno babble is just, like, part of it it's not like the main thrust like it's like a mystery it's exciting and it's, it's always visually stimulating whereas when you get some techno babble in some episodes of star trek or particular lord of the voyager episodes that you're getting this techno babble and like the plot is just ridiculously boring like something's going on in a nebula that's affecting maybe the ship or something you're like yeah there's no excitement to be made by the techno babble whereas it's just like a means to an end of a bit of fun really um yeah i actually like the techno babble it could have been worse um i've, I've listened to i mean not just metatrax but just everywhere else when they talk about infinite universes or infinite uh, earths or worlds and it could go a lot longer than 45 minutes that's you know slotted for this episode and uh yeah i actually it could it, it very well could have been a lot worse but i mean i i for the balance of the entertainment and the techno babble i actually kind of liked it uh, it was it was just enough to you know not completely bore you like you were in like physics class or something like that not saying physics is boring, but I'm sure there are some subjects in physics that are boring. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. And in preparing for this, um, I did a little bit of research and um, the quantum universes and the different realities. And so when they're in the ready room and data is explaining that there's infinite possible outcomes can happen and do happen in different realities and then I love that visual when they go up and they show like this line and then at some point it breaks off and then it breaks off again just exponentially I totally love that uh, visual there and it got me thinking like so of course, we make decisions in our lives every single day, but what decisions are the one that actually count big enough, I guess, that an alternate reality would go for that? So, I mean, because I was thinking, so he's coming back from his Batleth tournament, and so then that was the choice then that breaks off with him winning and he hits this. And so as he goes through, it's like, well... What decisions are big enough that would go to a different reality? Because I'm thinking in my life, like, okay, well, my choice to go to school and become a teacher, that's a pretty major decision. But for me deciding, oh, am I going to have cereal or pancakes for breakfast? You know, is that a decision warranted enough, big enough to cause a different parallel? I think like personally, I was actually thinking about this yesterday, like I was out for a run and I kind of just think away to myself and I better be careful. My girlfriend is lying on the couch behind me as I record this, but like I was like, I was heading out for a run and I have a little bum bag and she was like, oh, you should like bum bags are meant to be worn behind and whereas I preferred to wear at the front and I was out running and at one point I just paused my phone for like my phone tracker for a little break. Uh, by the water um, and then I put my phone back in and I went oh you know what? I'm going to try it round the other side but I didn't properly zip it up and as I was running my phone fell out of my bum bag and cracked and then I was thinking oh like I was thinking to myself I didn't get annoyed about it because I was like oh, so I can get it repaired relatively cheaply but I was thinking oh, if I hadn't had that conversation I might not have turned it round thus I would have seen the zip and it wouldn't have fallen out of my bum bag and it's just little things like that where you think little small things can like have these little effects and I'm thinking oh if i hadn't had that conversation maybe i wouldn't have turned it around i've just been attacked by a pillow um yeah it's just little things like that where you always think like sometimes i get myself so caught up and i was you know little kind of cause and effect and uh, you know 
all these things can happen and you can trace things back and you know if I had you know left half an hour like even things like if I had taken one step to the left it would have fallen on the grass and it wouldn't have broken but I didn't I kind of took a step off the grass it would have been fine it's so little things where you always think those thin margins separated me from paying like £40 to repair my phone and not have to pay my phone it's it's just little things like that and I sometimes get so caught up in the minutiae so as you say big things can determine like a reality in a universe but equally the most smallest things like a conversation about a bum bag can you know cause a split in <laughs> split in the universe and a split in someone's phone uh, phone cable <laughs> Yeah, I was actually waiting for I'm the sleeping uh, on the, the couch tonight, probably. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually waiting for the Kirk Kung Fu uh, slash. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess a pillow will do. <laughs> but yeah, I I, no, I I agree with you. I mean, I, I I guess it it could mean almost every decision. But yeah, like you said, you know what is meaningful? I guess of an action. I mean, I guess if it deals with a person. Yeah, but I mean, if it if it doesn't, I, I, I mean, I don't see like a you know, oh, I'm gonna have waffles today, is is you know something that would change. But then again, you, I, I don't know. It very well could be. I mean, there's like they said, infinite possibilities, infinite worlds. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, just Boy, think there's a reality where you were eaten by that bear today. Oh goodness! <laughs> you know, and I, what I turned around when I saw that goat's leg uh, on the trail, so I was like, "Yeah, we're not going any further." <laughs> yeah, I like to compare this and along with the, that thinking of cause and effect because I always go back to that and think of like where Beverly and cause and effect where she's trimming her plant with the scissors and then she puts her little nightcap and then every single uh, iteration of cause and effect she breaks that glass no matter where she puts it and so then I think well what I mean what is going to happen no matter what no matter based on your decisions you know do we see this trans uh, transpire into parallels where no matter what we're going to see the same thing well obviously Worf is still in Starfleet so we can see that 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 is a constant of the universe there but like what what is that in our lives I, I like that plays into about fate that. <laughs> right exactly and I, I don't believe in fate <laughs> oh. <laughs> I prefer to like I prefer to think of it as uh, yeah I make my own you know and yeah they're it, Okay, yeah, I believe in God, but I mean, obviously, but like, uh, I believe that there's a plan, not an actual, or like a guideline, there you go, is a better way to think of it, versus an actual detailed plan, because, I mean, seriously, three, three trillion people in the world, you're going to have a plan for every single person? That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, for like me, I'm the opposite. Like, I don't believe in any kind of meaningful plan in life that you kind of make your own luck to an extent, but you're obviously affected by factors like with your control and as i was saying like earlier like a simple thing can kind of make a huge difference to like a, a day and then you kind of think of like little things that people do in their lives that can have knock-on effects of you know you think of how you can meet someone in a relationship you meet them they're like they're on that bus stop that day and whether they maybe think oh i'm going to go to the toilet or not go to the toilet that can chop off a minute that you don't get to the bus or you know little things like you go to a gig and then you're standing to the right as opposed to the left you maybe meet someone there or you know all these different things like i think you you make your own but you're ultimately you know affected by the kind of environmental factors as well like we kind of are try to make our own luck but ultimately life is dictated by other factors as much agreed they're definitely uh i agree with that as well because you're when i look at the people that i've met in my life and it's like yeah well if i hadn't have moved to las vegas i wouldn't have met you know certain people that have been very influential or if i hadn't decided to leave utah stuff like that that yeah it's just so interesting to think about what is meant to be and what is in your control and i i think this episode definitely highlights that um i like the um when one of the another great shot is when the space 
start that where the barriers are breaking down and you see all these enterprise BDs popping up into the view screen and where data is saying, well, that the space is filling up exponentially and we'll fill the space in three days. I thought, huh, that might be a fun little math problem to decide that. Something to think about on the toilet. <laughs> yes. Homework, uh, Amy Nelson's teachers, homework. Just I know, remember, students. start now. You're passing notes in the back, Ken and Zach. <laughs> And another fun little math thing that we could probably do in my math class is that they're receiving 285,000 hails. I thought that was hilarious. And I'm like, is that number very realistic? I don't know about that. Um, but I liked um, the how they were going to solve this breaking down of the barriers was using this uncertainty principle where Worf is going to go take the original shuttle and go back into this fissure and create a inverse warp field. And that was based off of the uncertainty principle. And Worf asked the question, well, am I going to be where I need to be for that Enterprise D to pick me up, you know? And they're like, well, it's uncertainty and where time is a variable. And I thought, oh my gosh, time is a variable? We're so used to looking at time being a constant, um, especially like in my math class where we're always solving for time and stuff like that. I thought that was very interesting. And the uncertainty principle states the more precisely a position of some particle is determined, the less precisely its momentum can be known. And that's what the uncertainty principle is. And so you can see that, okay, we're going to put you back exactly at this point, this position, but we don't know where you will really end up. And I thought that was pretty interesting to be thinking about. Again, that inverse warp field, I don't know, that just got me got me thinking. <laughs> Sorry, math. Reverse the polarity <laughs> of the uh, shield converters on... Exactly, right? <laughs> it's the same principle. <laughs> we see that a lot. <laughs> And another math thing, sorry, we'll get over it soon. Um, like when they were talking about how events become discontinuous. And in my math class, we're always talking about functions and how they are continuous and what functions aren't continuous. And so just making that connection, I guess it just builds another level of context for me when I watch Star Trek, because I look at like piecewise functions or step func stepwise functions where... You know, you're traveling along and then you have this open dot and then above it is a closed dot and then you continue like a, a step function is. And so I just I like watching Star Trek because I do have that math background that sort of adds that another complexity and layer that I really like about Star Trek. But I like talking about that discontinuity because we do talk about it so much in math class for those of you taking math. Talking about discontinuity isn't the only thing we've been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Have I bored the listeners enough? Because I bored Lee and Richard. No, no. <laughs> Do you see the back of their eyelids right now? <laughs> when I no, see no, no, the opportunity no. of a punchline, I can't not take it. You know, I, I actually like that you uh, that you're that you're telling us this because yeah, I mean, obviously, like Lee and I are more uh, more the. Um, we like the social aspects. Is that is that fair to uh, uh, compare, Lee? Oh yes, more I would social. Say, as I flip so, my cravat. <laughs> so you know, we like the, we like the social aspects of what's going on in in uh, in track. And I love that you've brought the the science and math, or especially the math, into this whole entire podcast. So that I mean, I'm not I, I'm not I'm not trying to make uh, funny or anything like that. But it, I mean, yeah, I mean, if I was like. 17, 16, somewhere around there, or, or that age. I, to be quite honest, I'd probably be bored. But that's just me. But I mean, you know, like I said, you know, I would Star Trek fan back then. It didn't even click in my head at that time like it does today. So, and as you say, Richard, we 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 focus on the kind of the social commentary on our way. But like the bedrocks of Star Trek is the the science and the social aspects as well. So yes, we in a way we are the the holy trinity. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, the techno babble um, is something really fun, but I like how in Worf's reality, he is confident in himself and he knows 
his reality. And I think that it shows such a great amount of trust in the crew, not thinking that he's crazy or that they never really dismiss him. And they're always like, what? You don't remember this? You don't remember the past two years? And he always says, I remember the past two years and I remember it differently. And he's just so confident. I love that, that he never thinks, gosh, am I going crazy? And neither does the crew. I think that's so supportive that they're willing to trust him, even though no one else on the ship remembers his reality. I think it's one of those things that's probably like, you know, based on what the seven years of adventures they've been on with people's heads coming from. So people starting from like the 1800s of um, kind of their heads coming from the past and Beverly Crusher being the only person left on a starship and all the various incidents and escapades that they've all gotten up to. This just seems like another one of like, yeah, that's probably right enough. Yeah, there is probably, you are probably going through universes. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure this one out. As if it's just like someone's just come up to you, Amy, and just went, oh, I'm just not feeling too well today. Oh, yeah, that's not a problem. That's understandable. It's just par for the course of being on the Enterprise, I guess. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you would you would think that they'd never get anything done with all the anomalies that they go through. <laughs> you know, because I was just thinking, it's like, so... All the action or all the peculiar action happens on the Enterprise, and then everyone else is basically the workhorses and doing everything else. <laughs> it's like you can imagine them down like 10 forward going, you won't believe it, Mr. Worf's traveling through the parallel universe. Oh, is that so <laughs> and stuff like that? Like, I just want to get to Rising and get my rocks off sort of thing. Just like, and just like, they're just listening kind of, uh, kind of there they are in 10 forward. Oh, you hear Dr. Crusher's like, was the only person that was left on the ship, and like, why was a medical officer needed to ru- on an empty ship? Oh, Jesus, you know, come on. Like, all these people, just everything passes them by. It's like the real lower deck stuff. Yeah, it's like it's like everyone one-upping each other. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, yeah. Bar stories. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking that it could, uh, it could be just memories of the Enterprise uh, through bar, telling stories through, uh, at a bar or something like that. But yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> So let's get to the real meat of this episode, and that is the Worf and Troy relationship. Who doesn't love Worf and Troy? I do. Oh we know, no! We know why Tell you picked this episode. You can hide and say it was all the yeah, mask. Yeah, I was going to say. I was like, when I was watching this episode, I was like, "Oh, Amy's so transparent." <laughs> <laughs> no, like I, I'm, I'm not interested in them as a couple, and clearly. I don't think anyone was really kind of in the writing team, as it were. Like, I was watching, I was like, yeah, I can kind of buy in that they would maybe have, like, become a bit closer. But, like, when they kind of got to the, like, the tail end of season seven and what was it, like, um, Eye of the Beholder, they get a bit closer then and then all good things and then it just, like, totally vanishes away. I'm sure in some literary literary, uh, world it's kind of carried on. But, like, yeah, in the TV series, it's just something that happened and, yeah... Like it went nowhere and then, yeah, oh, everything kind of worked itself out that you ended up with like Jadzia Dax and stuff like that. It's just a relationship that I look at and think, yeah, they were probably just bored in season seven. Like, yeah, just shove them two together. Why not? Kind of similar to Seven and uh, Chakotay. I'm on the same, I'm, I'm on the same wavelength as him. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, they're two way different people. I mean, She's very sensual. She's very uh, emotional. I mean, yeah, okay, Warp can get emotional and, and and whatnot, but that's more more towards tradition and uh, and whatnot, and, and even combat or whatever. Um, but like you know, Riker and Troy are a perfect couple because he's passionate and he's very passionate about her and vice versa with Troy as well. And I just didn't, it's, it's like the, like, like Lee was saying, Jadzia and Worf was perfect. I mean, you had all that experience. She loves the tradition as well. And she basically went on, uh, went along with him because, you know, he's old, she's older. And then when Ezri Dax came in, uh, it was like Troy and Worf again. It was exactly the same, uh, same kind of um, relationship that they were trying to do. Again, counselor. Again, funny enough, um, <laughs> but like you know, it, it's just like yeah, yeah, come on, let's give this up. And I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad that he, he ended up with, or she ended up with Bashir. I really do. So they'd but. make a good like Beauty and the Beast reenactment in one of like Crusher's plays for the crew. They could do that. Like I'd buy into that, but I just don't buy yeah. into them as a couple. 
Yeah, I just don't think they would mat- mesh up really well. I mean, it would be more conflict than uh, than anything, you know, to, that we would want to watch. <laughs> Sorry, so how are we wrong then, Amy, then? <laughs> yes, very wrong. No, <laughs> no one's opinion is wrong. No, I and it is a, a common thing to not like the Worf-Troy relationship. I know uh, we've seen this argument, not argument, but disagreement on the Babel conference. And a lot of people don't really buy into the Wharf and Troy relationship where there's quite a few listeners out there, I'm sure. Please mention it on the Babel conference that do like the Wharf and Troy relationship. One person I know is our fearless leader, Chris Jones. So um, I just thought it was so perfectly shown in this episode. First of all, Marina Sirtis is the most beautiful in this episode as she's ever been. I just couldn't even believe every scene. I was like, she is so beautiful here. But what I like is the interaction between Michael Dorn and Marina Sirtis. It seems like those scenes are so good. Like when... Again, uh, Worf is asking Deanna to be Alexander Sokchim, and she's like, well, what what does that make me to you? I mean, it's like, it's sort of just that beginning, like, how is that going to change our relationship? And she's actually, I think, she's like, is Deanna hoping for more in this reality? And, um... Another scene I like is when uh, Worf and Data are in engineering and Worf is inquiring about his relationship with Troy because he doesn't really remember. And Data's explaining that, well, they first started, you know, dating after when uh, Worf was paralyzed and then Deanna stepped in, which we see and we remember and we call back to that episode and she helps out with Alexander more. And so you can see that it for me, that's a very good starting point of their relationship. And then uh, Data continues and says, well, that you asked Warfast Riker for permission because that's honorable. And I'm just like, that is so what Warf would do, you know, do everything right to build this relationship. And then, you know, they continue and you know, in this and get married and, and in the end have children. And I just think that it's a natural flow of their relationship. I really enjoy it. Um, it was interesting listening to, um, the commentary because, um, Brandon Braga talks about how it was just sort of, it was so difficult to, um, put on romance on the Enterprise D because you have your guest stars who can, you know, come in and have relationships and then they're gone, you know, but to build a relationship, you know, cause they tried with Picard and Crusher cause you have that backstory. And then of course with Riker and Troy. Um, so, but those aside, there was really nothing else, I guess, data and Tasha, I don't, that didn't go anywhere, you know? So it was funny because it was like a running joke. Like, how can we get some of these players, the the uh, normal crew, to get together? And so this was sort of this joke. And then I just thought it worked out so well that it that they put it on here and then continued it in all good things. I just thought that was. So let me. T- so so I, as you're talking, and I I I know. I know I'm going to get catch a lot of flack for this, but we're well, I'm just going to take it. So, um, so my only thing with, uh, with Troy is that, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me backtrack that. So the, the, the relationship with Worf and Jadzia, I think the reason why it worked so well is that she stood up to him. And I think that's, uh, that she challenged him and that's ultimately what Worf wants, or at least that's his, how, how his character is perceived that he likes to be challenged a lot. And, you know, to, to improve himself. And to me, I mean, that's a great, he's a great character because he likes to improve himself. He wants to be better than everyone else, which is, which is a great characteristic for a lot of people, but obviously not to go too bored or too overboard. So when it deals with Troy, I just don't, I, she's never, to me, she's never showed that she has that backbone. 
to stand up against Worf. I mean, yeah, she's a counselor and whatnot. And um, it, it's just that's all we've seen her in. We've only seen her in maybe one or two episodes where she's actually taking command and actually uh, actually shown that backbone that, hey, I can I can step up to the plate and hit a home run or whatever, you know, and then that's that's ultimately what doesn't sell it for me for Worf and Troy. And if they did do that, um, then I think that would be great. But I mean, like it, it I, no one it, maybe Roe or Yar would have been better uh, for Worf. But the reality is, is that to me, she didn't feel I don't feel like she could command that authority against him and challenge him and to grow as. And I think and that that's how I that's how I'm seeing it, that it, it wouldn't work. So. Well, and I like how um, you say that. And I think, well, to me, in a lot of successful relationships, like opposites attract. And so you have Worf as this hard, rigid, and then Deanna Troy is the opposite. She's the soft, squishy, you know, that just, to me, it's the yin and yang that they come together so perfectly because they are so different. And, you know, and you see Worf, and like you said, with uh, Jadzia or... Or with um, who's oh, it's Esri? it escaped me. Esri? No, Alexander's mom. Oh, Kaylar. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and Kaylar definitely stood up to him and gave him all kinds of trouble. You know, and so you see, you get to see Worf in relationships with these different women, and I just think that this this Troy relationship, which is why it probably didn't, you know, last too long. But I like seeing this hard, rigid, cling on and don't show your emotions. Com- matched up with this soft feeling emotional Deanna Troy and I like seeing that yeah like it was just not a relationship I was ever kind of bought into I mean it it was over before it really started and I think it was just one of those ones where just sometimes being on a spaceship together a bit bored maybe just kind of snuggling up together I don't know like it was just you know we we are not only really in like three episodes and that was kind of it um you know it just didn't have any kind of long meaningful impact on me and yeah um, I'm kind of glad it kind of burned out quite quickly and I often kind of forget it happened really so just to add on to what I what uh what you were saying uh Amy and I'm glad you said it because yes you I agree opposites do attract and a lot of couples that do are are you know different like that um is you know it's uh turn out uh, successful as a relationship versus two same people but i mean think of it like jadzia jadzia had the experience she knew where where, where to step in and where not to step in and just let him have what he let, let him have his moments and then you know rant or whatever you want to call it and um and then, you know, because, like, obviously she's the experienced one, whereas, and I hate saying like this, but it, I don't, she seemed very young and he seemed very old. I mean, not, not old, but like maturity wise. And I'm not, and like I said, it's it just like in the last episode uh, or, or two episodes um, when this releases. <laughs> um, that's one of the things that I really think that they should have, they should have done more with Troy and mature her more in the series because they do they i really think that they did her a disservice on some of the things that she they they could have expanded so much more into her especially dealing with counseling and mental issues and all that kind of stuff but they didn't and i think that's that's what kills it for me Mm. but you know yeah Yeah, i can see that (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i will always remember the wharf troy it's not forgettable for me but i do have to come to terms because i like troy with Riker as well and so i go back and forth and i you know i'm like well i'm glad it didn't last because i do like troy with Riker, and i've read some of the books you know outside the literary books and you know they always have troy and Riker. so uh, i just sort of have to come to turns and figure out well this is just one relationship that didn't wasn't so wasn't meant no, to be so no you can so. keep on going you don't have to come to terms with it. you can keep on going there it's another it's an infinite uh, enterprise another it's an, a universe there you go universe. Huh? there we huh? go <laughs> so somewhere out there they are married there you okay. go with two children <laughs> and no yes. alexander yeah even better <laughs> no don't say that oh. <laughs> no. well 
On since I did get the Blu-rays for Christmas, as I've mentioned before, it on the Blu-rays has this fabulous commentary with Brandon Braga. Did you guys have a chance to watch that, or have you seen it before? Uh, no, I, I haven't had the chance to to listen to. It. I've got the Blu-rays, but not listened to the the audio commentary yet. But Brandon Braga is always a a great source of entertainment and information on his uh, on his movie commentaries. So I definitely need to check it out. I've made a little note in my box. Yeah, I definitely need to do the same because I don't think I've ever seen it. I mean, I've never heard the commentary for this episode. Um, actually, I didn't even think to listen to it, to be honest, before this episode. Actually, you know, I'm going to have to start doing that before we do these uh, episode reviews. Yeah. Yeah, I um, was I this is the first one that I've heard with Brandon Braga. And I just felt like at the end, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I know this guy. He's so relatable, very easy. And it's weird because it's just him talking to us. And I I thought it was very good. So I would recommend that uh, for those of you who have that to uh, watch it. But what I liked about his commentary was, you know, he was known for writing these what he says is this high concept mind bendy type of episodes and you know he wrote cause and effect and like frame of mind and stuff like that and so but it was interesting because he was like when they first started with next gen I mean we and we've heard this before that Gene Roddenberry he was very like had his expectations of what this show should be and had things that were a big no-no and two of the big no-nos that he did not want to see on his Star Trek was no time travel episodes and no dreaming episodes. And I thought, well, that went out the window for sure. Well, it definitely went out the window because like, obviously he died mid season five, just before unification. Um, and then the season five finale is a time travel episode. So yeah, I think that as soon as he was dead, you can imagine him just kind of looking around the room going, you think we can do it now? And yeah. then out comes, out comes the Times Arrow script. Yeah, or Data's dreaming and masks and stuff like that. So, <laughs> gotta love it. And those are some of my favorite uh, episodes too, the time travels and even the dreaming uh, episodes. I mean, yeah, those are some of my favorites. But Masked yeah. is definitely not anyone's favorite episode. It's probably Brandon <laughs> Shimatella's favorite episode, knowing him. But I, I refuse to believe anyone out there probably is a, a would class Masks as their favorite episode. But prove me wrong, listeners. Prove me wrong. We should challenge I'll prove him. you wrong. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> So um, Brennan also continued that he got this idea because he was thinking about Schrodinger's cat theory. And I thought, oh, goodness, he's definitely the brainiac here writing. Um, also learned that uh, the Argus array was used from nth degree. Do you remember that episode with Barkley? Yeah. So they reused. Apparently there was obviously restrictions on their budget. And so they reused a lot of things like we talked about with the uniforms and the comm badges from Futures Imperfect. And and he talks about like he wanted to not only just add more metal pieces to the bridge, but wanted to change the lighting. And I, I don't know how changing the lighting would increase the expense that much, but he wanted it like darker. You know how we see with yesterday's Enterprise and stuff like that. He really wanted that to happen as you go through the the parallel universes to have the lighting change. But yeah, you would think that that would that would save money. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Whatever. (laughs) And another uh, interesting budget saving. Uh, thing that they did was they were going to, you know how they translated he's a jolly good fellow into Klingon (laughs) and there's no Klingon word for jolly apparently Um, but they were going to do happy birthday but um, you have to pay royalties for happy birthday and that's $20,000 they would have had to pay to use the song and he's a jolly good fellow is free it's open domain so they did that one and translated it into Klingon yeah i hate that like i i hate especially something as simple as happy birthday what's next national anthem right (laughs) that's always cracked you know that's always one of my favorite kind of pub quiz questions is like about the kind of the royalties for happy birthday like it just it makes me chuckle it's one of the beatles that uh uh is it paul mccartney that owns that song 
a i'm not too sure i, I think it is i don't know hmm. i don't know and one last thing that he talked about was uh, he was sort of critical of his writing of the Cardassian dialogue there. And he said that it was nondescript. And and I thought it was interesting because by now this is, you know, season seven and DS9 has been running. And so they were talking about that they didn't have much collaboration with the DS9 writers uh, and the TNG writers still going on. And so that he was disappointed in the dialogue that the Cardassian, that was just very general and, and that he wished that he could have gone in and made the Cardassian language more in line with what DS9 had developed with the Cardassian. Are you talking about with the uh, the Cardassian captain? Yeah. I yeah, actually that thought scene. that was perfect. Oh, really? Uh, the way they were talking to each other, you know, with our mutual, you know, mutual, you know, agreement on why you're here in our space sort of thing. I actually thought that was perfect on uh, what the current relationships were, even even in DS9, um, of what was going on even in the series at that hmm. time. So I, yeah, I mean, I, maybe maybe it was maybe it was done before DS9 was started. I don't know. <laughs> DS9 started or something like that. I think maybe. it's one of those ones. I think it's easy to put too much focus on it. Oh, it's a bit nondescript, but I mean, these things often are. Like, there's there's not much you can really kind of add to the thing to make it even more kind of Cardassian, as it were. Like, it's yeah. Like he has a, says his little bit. It's over in like 10, 15 seconds. I hope you're not going to be spying on us. Yeah, that's fine. Like, I wouldn't have paid more attention to kind of that. You know, it, it is what it is and stuff. I, it's it's probably easier to be critical if you're the writer. Or as the viewer, I was like, yeah, I have no problem with that. It was good to see kind of the Cardassians involved. Yeah, and yeah, you're always more critical of your own work. And I, I felt like he was because I thought the scene was great and that you got the, you know, don't spy on us type of vibe. And I, I thought that it turned out well, but, um, he was, you know, again, just being critical of himself and the writing. And, uh, one thing also that I found interesting was that this episode, they were just super busy because they were uh, currently at this time working on the generation script. And so they had every ball up in the air trying to juggle everything and I thought, man, that generation script. Yeah. Could have been better. Are you admitting that generations could have been better there, Amy? Well, oh. yeah, but <laughs> did we get ourselves in trouble with that before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they were definitely look, looking at a lot of things there. So, uh, closing thoughts on parallels. Did you like this episode? Should it have come earlier in the series, or do you like its placement in the seventh season? I, I like it. Um, I think it's the same probably for like the cast and crew. Like when you've got kind of seven years of episodic television, especially something like Next Generation, where it's largely focused on the adventures of the Enterprise crew on the Enterprise with a bit of planet hopping here and there. Like it's good to get a bit of variety sometimes, you know, a little change in costume, a little kind of appearance of someone else here or there, a little change of the view screen, things like that. Like you feel like, oh, it's quite nice. That's quite a wee change of pace and things like that are always enjoyable and they're always better towards the end because you know you can layer it with things of like when you've got the the kind of the enterprise that survived all those borg massacres to then be destroyed by their their own counterparts or you know the return of wesley or a cardassian on the bridge little things like that are like a reward seven years in for like watching the show if it come earlier it would have been kind of just realities for the sake of realities whereas just now it kind of is a bit of that nice reward for season seven it could have been it could have gone further you know we could have had tasha yar or we could have had this or that so yeah i i really like it it's an enjoyable episode and variety is always a, a good thing to do and i always enjoy brandon braga's high concept episodes you know for thresholds parallels i always enjoy the the bonkers side of star trek that he brings i think that i mean it's okay no, first off it's a good episode love it it's great Except for the participation, uh, except for the participation trophy. Um, <laughs> there's no way the Klingons have a ninth place trophy. No, yeah. there's no way. You're dead by then. <laughs> there might be a second and third place, but you're missing an arm. Right. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, I if I guess it would be, it would work better for the Troy and uh, Worf uh, relationship if it was earlier. So like season six. 
um, before, obviously after yesterday's enterprise and, you know, whatever else we saw in that episode as well. But I, I mean, otherwise, you know, it's, it's a great episode. And, um, like I said, if they really wanted to do that, then they should have done it a lot earlier and built on that. But, uh, yeah, they didn't. So, um, yeah, so they didn't. So, you know, otherwise it's good where it's at. Yeah. So sometimes fans get upset by this reset button mentality. Do you think that this episode falls into another stupid reset button episode? Mm, no, not really, because, um, well, two points. Like, it's kind of is a product of early, early 90s television. Like, it wasn't really branching too much out into kind of that, you know, style yet. So that's really not a problem. And ultimately, at the end of the day, like things do continue we do get the kind of the main thread of this troy sort of relationship that's um somewhat of a constant through the the universes kind of picks up and kind of runs with it till the end of the series at this point well i say run with it, it like happens a couple times um so there is a there's you know a bit of a reset but there's a, a thread that's going to continue beyond this episode so yeah no and it's 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 not an issue sometimes it's good to have a an episode like this where it's great fun one-off you know doesn't matter it doesn't need to be more than that no i i what he said <laughs> yeah i mean it's not a it it i don't think it's a stupid uh reset uh uh episode i i think it's like i said it i, I think it's great uh, how it was written it was a great pa- balance of techno babble um yeah possibilities of relationship yeah, and all that kind of stuff and yeah i thought it was pretty balanced I really like this episode and I, you know, I like the idea of the parallels because it gets you thinking about your life and, and it sort of does need to reset itself so that we get Worf back into his proper time, you know? And so I, yeah, I really like it. And I like the, uh, Troy Worf relationship as we talked about before and that it does sort of branch out into what could have been or what can be. And so I do like it for that. And I just think it's really fun. And so, yeah, even though Worf goes back and, you know, only he remembers these different parallels, but, you know, he does sort of share things. Oh, I did have one question. So at the beginning of the episode, before... Before any of the uh, parallel shifting. So he goes in and he's like, oh, I'm a little nervous because it's my birthday. And then Riker's walking him to his cabin and uh, he goes in and then there's the surprise party. Okay, so that's before any of the shifting of the parallel universes. Right. Because then Jordy comes in and then that's when things start. So. In the end, when Worf is back to his original reality, he goes back in and things are different. And I was wondering why that is, because in at the end, Worf's looking for this surprise party because he knows it's already, you know, he's already experienced it. And then it's just Deanna Troy, you know, feeding Alexander's pet and she's the only one there. So why are those, how come there wasn't the surprise party like it was supposed to be? Do you know what I'm asking? I think, yeah, wasn't it that he kind of, he's back in his own reality? I mean, it shouldn't usually be in kind of the present. Um, uh, Oh, no, like for the listeners, we record this on a Sunday evening, so you must excuse us for being, for me, for perhaps being slow here. But yeah, like it's not the first party universe, the, like he's already in one of the alternative ones and now he's in the normal one. So there's not going to, be that party, I guess, because oh, because the the time thing sort of is when he's in the shuttlecraft. So yeah. things after that are, are the parallel. Yeah, okay. hopefully, I'm sure there'll be someone that'll be quick to uh, to tell us otherwise. They wouldn't be Star Trek fans if they weren't. Uh, same yeah. with the answer screaming at their iPhones, like you yes. idiots. It's clearly <laughs> this or that. Like, yeah, come come tell us where we're we're going wrong here. Yeah. Richard, looks like you're thinking. No, I well, what it reminded me of something I read. I can't remember what it was, but it, it dealt with um, the theory of, uh, of time travel, obviously being possible, uh, stated by Einstein. But uh, oh, I can't remember what the theory is called. But yeah, it's oh, 
I can't remember what it's called. I'm racking my brain thinking about it. I'll probably think of it later. But like, uh, there's a theory out there that talks about uh, time travel and how if you were to go back in time and I, uh, you know what? I'm not even gonna go into it because it's 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 already giving me a headache. <laughs> but like, but like, I mean, yeah, it, it's just it's a very com- it's a. I mean, it was something I read recently that was very complex. Uh, that someone someone sent to me uh, a, a few weeks ago that uh, it was it uh, it dealt with time travel and you know basically casting a stone and you know causal effect sort of thing and it's it's it was a very interesting article and i i actually really enjoyed it and i gotta dig that up i might have deleted it since then because i usually don't keep those but like yeah it's yeah yeah i'll think of it later <laughs> well talking about parallels isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network here's a look at what he what you might have missed elsewhere on trek fm previously on trek.fm to the journey so his his whittling skills are so advanced that he can whittle wood into leather. Into vegan leather, yes. He is now Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> he is the Rumpelstiltskin of the Marquis. Warp 5. You think they start to like like each other and then it's more like a father-daughter kind of relationship and then he basically becomes uh, 51st Dates and she falls in love with him. <laughs> so <That's> great. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> the 602 Club. Yeah, I mean, Christopher Lee, that, that's inspired to have him in that role. It, it really is such a good bit of casting to have him there. Primitive Culture, a look at history and culture through Star Trek. The key thing with Jutrelli's, all of these elements are exactly the same thing as the events in real life. You know, the Metron Cascade is the bomb. Rhinax is Nagasaki or Hiroshima. You know, the poisoning is analogous to radiation poisoning and all these different things. And the the parallels are enormously overt with Jutrell straight away. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all of these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcast on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's shows, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best places to join the larger conversation is in the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. We love interacting with our listeners there, so join the conversation. If you'd like to send us an email, we love those too. You can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Earl Grey. That will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. If you'd like to help keep all the shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It's requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all that details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Well, Richard, where can people find you on the network? Well, unfortunately, they can't find me exclusively just on Facebook because... 
I'm back on Twitter again. Yay! <laughs> but like, yeah, uh, you can find me on uh, on the Babel Conference. I'll pop up in here and there, uh, cause a little trouble. But uh, you can also now find me on X uh, at X Ransom is my handle on Twitter. And um, I just started watching SG One. Uh, yes. So yeah, uh, this will be interesting because <laughs> I've never seen the show before. So get um, through the first three quarters of season one and you're golden. It's a hell of a show. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've started to notice. The first few episodes were are a little rocky, <laughs> but yeah. Okay, and Lee, tell us the many places we can find you. Yeah, you won't find me on Earl Grey for the next following two weeks. Um, you'll get some wonderful guest hosts as always. Um, but yeah, you can find me on the Filibuster podcast talking about nerd and geek culture. You can find me on the Glasgow's Green podcast. Uh, it's our end of season review coming up. And you can find me on Twitter at Lee underscore Nostromo. All right, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson. And but my favorite place is on the Babel Conference on Facebook, Trek FM's dedicated Facebook page group. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Today is a good day to die. Spot, this is down. Down is good. Great joy and gratitude. <laughs>